what's up y'all so i originally intended to get on youtube live and talk for a little bit about the houston rockets about team usa team team canada i don't even know if that's how you phrase that but just the result of today's bronze medal game the world cup in general i have a lot to say uh i am danny love ramon this is limitless love on hoops standard issue sde yes sir so yeah with no further ado, let's go. So today, I woke up at around 9.30. I had to work at uh, 12 o'clock. So I just had a little bit of time to, you know, catch up on what had happened in the sports world to that point, knowing that the bronze medal game happened at around 3.30 a.m. And I found out that Dylan Brooks had 39 points in a victory for Canada over the United States. Now, I am not partial to Team USA's roster. I do believe that there were some players on the U.S. Select team that should have been on the actual World Cup roster. I, however, just did not expect Team USA to be outclassed to such a degree repeatedly. I was, I was shocked. I was shocked, like most people. Even though, <laughs> just yesterday, I said I hope they don't medal. I don't feel, feel as if this team, as presently constructed, deserves to go home with medals. I thought that they deserved to hang their head in shame after what they displayed in the uh, tournament to that point. I just didn't expect it to actually happen. Let's explore. Let's explore. Why is Austin Reeves on Team USA? I know a lot of people are going to say, well, well, he balled out uh he had some offensive moments and he did he did he's not a bad offensive player I, I don't think he's a bad player at all he was on in the playoffs with LeBron James having some of the best moments of his basketball career um I'm not really mad at anybody getting paid you know what I mean I don't want this to seem as if I want Austin Reeves out of the league however I don't believe that he is one of the best 30 players in the NBA and I just I, I just think it's weird that a player like uh Cade Cunningham or or Jalen Green would have to wait their turn and somebody like Austin Reeves would just walk in out of like a two-way contract within six months and be in the to me that's egregious that's that's a bit egregious this bore out to be kind of true I watched players like Kelly Olenek Olenek get him in the post and say give me the ball please I can seal him he cannot guard me and I, I just was I, I was flabbergasted by this when Herb Jones was on the select team was on the select team you know like we don't have to stop at like Jalen Williams or Jalen Green or Jalen Duren or Kate Cunningham and say that those players, I mean, yeah, they should have been on the team. Trey Young should have been on the team, but Herb Jones is probably one of three players in the NBA who has shown that, you know, nobody's going to stop SGA, but he can frustrate him. He can make it a little harder for him. And we didn't have such a player on the Team USA roster. Jaron Jackson Jr. is the reigning defensive player of the year, but that's not him. But also, he's not a five, as we learned, you know, like he can't play bigger than his position. He you know needs a Steven Adams kind of figure didn't play today so Walker Kessler was finally uh you know resurrected off of the fucking bench pardon me I don't mean to curse uh so I just thought it was weird I just thought a lot of decisions behind Team USA were weird and I thought it was motivated by journalism they want to see Josh Hart they want to see Jalen Brunson the Vanderbilt boys and the chemistry that they have you know cutting their eyes at each other in the press conferences and shit they wanted to see that versus just genuinely good basketball you know like Austin Reeves is a media darling he goes over overseas comes in hits his first three in a showcase before the tournament started and the crowd erupts you know I, I understand it I understand it from a media standpoint but at the same time I don't understand it from a competitive aspect just because a player in a right situation in a perfect situation as Taylor made for him in the NBA can produce that doesn't mean that this is just a player that you can just plug and play in any situation and we learn that with a lot of these guys Brandon Ingram was another one 
of those players who came out and actually said, oh, the role that I'm in, I feel miscast, essentially, right? And then didn't play well for the games after that and ended up uh, sitting out with an upper respiratory infection, you know, uh, along with Jaron ja Jackson Jr. And, um... Paolo Banquero. I, I don't know where Italy finished, but I, I wonder if he questioned at all his decision to uh, actually play with Team USA. Anyway, yeah, Brandon Ingram was another player that didn't really play well and just seemed out of out of sorts. I heard Bill Simmons say that he was on the bench saying, I'm not Carmelo Anthony. I, I, don't, I think Brandon Ingram is an all-NBA guy, but yeah, I don't think he has that skill set of off-ball player to necessarily think that he was going to excel in a Team USA system. You know, somebody like Mikael Bridges, he just showed us what he can really do do on the ball in the last half of the season with the Nets, we came to know him as a uh, two-way player, as tertiary piece on the Suns. It, it wasn't hard to imagine that he would do well in a system like this. I, I think that regardless of how he played in his playoffs or in this uh, tournament, that he would be somebody that if there was a Kevin Durant or a Devin Booker or just players of that magnitude on Olympic team, I think that he would fit in regardless, right? But that's not true of everyone. That's not true of every 20-point scorer. That's not true of every all-star, every all-NBA player. Um, and we learned that. Again, I just don't understand why De'Aaron Fox isn't in consideration. I just don't understand why Trey Young isn't in consideration. Is it a sneaker deal in the case of Trey Young? Is it perception? They think that because he runs such a heliocentric offense that he wouldn't be able to, you know, sublimate his game for the greater good of the team. I think that's pretty crazy because you have somebody who is a ball dominant guard in Jalen Brunson who does so to a less successful effect. You know, um, we just, this was a couple years ago now, but we saw Trey Young get to the conference finals and give the Bucks a run for their money in the year where they ended up going on to win a championship. If we can ascribe legendary status to Luka for playoff series that happened in the bubble, I don't see why we're like what we're holding against Trey Young. You know, even if his team sucked last year, I think that he has proven enough to say that he is top 10, 15, 20, I would say 15 player in the NBA. And for him to just be watching from home to not even be a part of the Team USA system, I think that that is a, uh, an egregious oversight, a snub. However you want to characterize it, I think it's terrible. However, Charles Barkley was on the Bill Simmons podcast recently, and he expressed a sentiment that I think it is possible that some of the brain trust at the highest level of Team USA may mirror, although they probably would never admit it. It may not be the worst thing in the world for Team USA to lose. What would actually motivate Team USA to even come to that conclusion? Because the game is global. We're in a large transitional period in which, you know, a lot of the top players in the league are indeed international players. Giannis, Jokic, Luka are, you know, if you name top five, top seven, those names will come up and they're international players. Uh, Jamal Murray and SGA, Canadians, you know, like we have a lot of, it's a, it's a very global game that we have at the highest level, including the superstars, right? And I think there may be some merit to the idea that allowing the USA to have a sort of dethroning moment as the dominant force may actually be beneficial. The idea that, you know, they're just trying to globalize the game and sell the idea to young kids that like you may not be Michael Jordan, but you can be Giannis, you can be Jokic, you can be from uh, somewhere that's not America, and you can be one of the greatest players of all time. I think they're trying to sell that. So this may be a moment in which the global influence in general is one that they're looking to champion. It could be a setup for, you know, trying to coax one more Olympic run out of guys like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James. I could see all of these angles. I don't know if I necessarily 
necessarily believe that, but I can see it. So maybe that's why, you know, they put out such a uh, substandard roster. But I want to move on and talk about uh, Dylan Brooks and just the impact that he had. You know, I am a Rockets fan as of KPJ's arrival and finding out that Kevin Love ranked him number one in comparison to Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. I rooted for him. I, I didn't feel like he got a fair shake in Cleveland. And I thought that he had a lot of potential. And when I found out about his story about his father, you know, dying at a very early age, being murdered, I just, I, I was very attached to the story and I wanted to see him do well. And then he gave Drew Holiday, somebody who as a six foot five point guard, we've seen him guard Kevin Durant and give him as much trouble as anybody outside of Ron Artest. To quote him, he had Drew's ass sliding all around on the court. You know what I mean? Gave him 50. And so from that point on, I became a fan. I was prior a Laker fan. When they traded Kuzma and the guys for Russell Westbrook, I just felt like I was watching a monster. So I needed a new team, primarily of young guys that I could root for. If I could root for Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell, you know, in those last Kobe years when it was really rough, I just felt like I want to see a team mature. I want to see a cast mature. I look at what happened in Golden State and it's like, why wouldn't you want to vote for or root for a team like that? You know what I mean? So I found the Rockets. Fortunately for me, it seems every player they've taken in the draft since I've become a fan, even if I wasn't a fan of the Rockets, these would be some of my favorite players. A player like Jabari Smith, who in my opinion, offensively has the repertoire, well, the upside and ceiling of somewhere between Kevin Garnett and Kevin Durant. He can post up. He is very lean and very uh, fluid in his movement. He has the ability to get very low when he dribbles and maintain his center of gravity. I, I think that the sky is the limit for somebody like that who also has shown a proclivity for big moments, you know, hitting multiple game winners last season and even one in the summer league this past uh, offseason. I feel like that guy is somebody that you want on your team. He can max out anywhere between 18 to 26 points a game. I would say I could see him averaging anywhere in that range and still being pretty efficient you know, because there aren't a lot of players who are equipped to guard him. And he is one of the players who is equipped to guard someone like a Giannis. I just think that he is an amazing prospect. I think Jalen Green's amazing. Um, I've been a fan of his. And, you know, I do, I want to say, you know, in spite of whatever scandals may have happened throughout the season, I was also a fan of uh, Jay Gupp, Josh Christopher, kind of upset that he was traded after that rumor went public. But I can't be too surprised, you know, it seems as if they allowed him to have certain comforts, like say somebody like Dacian Knicks, another guy that played with Jalen Green, you know, and has a long-standing relationship with him. They kept players like that on the roster. And now that Ime Udoka came in, it just seemed like there's a shift in culture. So I hope that Josh Christopher does well on another team. But Jalen Green, this moment, and go back to Team USA and say, man, I could not believe just how passionate people were about the 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 next, the coronation of the next great shooting guard in, in Anthony Edwards. I'm always in favor of somebody who carries himself with that sort of uh self-assuredness you know so I am a Anthony Edwards fan but I just thought it was pretty ridiculous to put him cut above every other shooting guard in the league so early into his career especially given the fact that in comparison to somebody like Jalen Green Jalen Green hasn't had anyone as good as Carl Anthony Towns on his team for the entirety of his career he doesn't have veterans at the one and the five next to him you know in moments when they're getting to the playoffs where he may not have the most composure 
exposure. You have a floor general like Mike Conley, who's been in playoff moments since his time with the grit and grind Grizzlies. Like, who is that equivalent on the Rockets that Jalen Green had? Eric Gordon? You feel what I'm saying? So I just thought that, you know, I had Rockets fans, Rockets podcasters talking to me about like, oh, this is the reason why we get clowned by other fan bases. Not because I said that Jalen Green was better. I don't think that there's an argument to make that he's better at this moment. What I simply said was that I see him to be on a similar arc of an Anthony Edwards, of a Devin Booker. If you flash back to Devin Booker's, you know, 71 point game, there were people who viewed him as a bad, I mean, a good stats, bad team guy. You know what I mean? And it took him, you know, sticking to his guns, still attacking off the dribble, but also diversifying his attack, becoming an off ball guy, becoming a post up guy, becoming a better uh, spot up guy while also learning how to run the, the point in those years before, you know, Chris Paul came along. I don't see why Jalen Green can't be seen in a similar light when he's put up similar counting stats. His advanced stats speak to similar things, like when he's close to the basket, his efficiency, how he has to be doubled, his catch and shoot numbers. I I just didn't see much of a difference. I don't have the stats in front of me. Like I said, this is a very impromptu podcast that I'm doing right now. I just didn't see it as far-fetched or like asinine to think that maybe one day they could be seen in the same light, even though perception seems to be much different. And I, I want to say that this result in the in the uh, World Cup speaks to that. Like SGA was the best player on the floor offensively in that game. I don't think that, you know, if Anthony Edwards is Michael Jordan, like they're saying, I don't think that would have been the case today. I don't think that Austin Reeves would have been the player guarding him in overtime if Anthony Edwards was Michael Jordan like people were saying I think that he would have taken that upon himself but then you have to remember he's 6'4 and SGA is all of 6'6 and so he may not have been equipped physically to really keep up with him and that's okay that doesn't mean that he sucks but it does mean that he's likely at this current stage of his career closer to Donovan Mitchell than Michael Jordan that's not an insult you know that's not an insult that's not shitting on this man it's just simply acknowledging that yo this is the deep time or one of the deepest periods in the NBA talent wise. So somebody can be a 25, 20 point per game score. And that doesn't mean that they're destined to be one of the greatest players in the history of the game. There are plenty of players like somebody like Joe Johnson. There are seasons where you could argue that Joe Johnson and Kobe Bryant, as far as counting stats, weren't that far apart. But Joe Johnson is not Kobe Bryant kind of, uh, I mean, I definitely think it's premature, but I think it's a little bit ridiculous to uh, just put a player so much above because I mentioned Donovan Mitchell. There was a time in the bubble where we were looking at Donovan Mitchell pretty similarly to how we're looking at Anthony Edwards right now. And after that playoff series that the Cavaliers had against the Knicks, I don't think there are very many people who would say that Donovan Mitchell is still, it can all change very fast. And I just think that people don't need to be prisoners of the moment. I'm also not trying to be a prisoner of the moment by just taking this, the result of this World Cup and just ascribing it to the NBA context. But at the same time, we've seen some of our greats and how they comport themselves in these situations. And I just think that people need to slow their roll. That's all I'm saying. Uh, But shout out to Anthony Edwards. Shout out to Jalen Green. Shout out to Jalen Duran and Jalen Williams and Herb Jones and Kay Cunningham and Peyton Pritchard and all of those guys on the select team. I do really think that there were some substitutions between that team that maybe we would have done a little differently. But hindsight is 2020. And, you know, there are 
Steve Kerr, for, for all of the smoke that he's getting, he is one of the great champions in the history of our league. So I, I don't want to ever make it seem as if I'm calling any of these guys stupid, but people have different perspectives. This is mine. You know what I mean? I am Danny Love Ramon. This is Standard Issue SDE, Le'Veon Hoops, and this is a live from Easy Street production. Until next time, be smooth. I will see you guys later. Thank you.